It's been great the last few years to continue to grow and build. You know, being my first time as a head coach at Ohio State, you know, you get thrown right to the fire. That's the way I wanted it. Hello and welcome. It's always college football, the Tuesday, June 20th edition. We are so excited to be with you here today, and we have really appreciated the amount of support you guys have given us over the last couple weeks. We started asking a couple weeks ago, hey man, can you leave a couple reviews? It'd be really helpful. We're going into year number two, starting that up in July. So it'd be really beneficial if we can start to get some of those reviews and ratings on anywhere where you get your podcast or on the ESPN YouTube page. And we have so appreciated the outpouring of support and to see those numbers go up drastically over the last couple of weeks. I'm Greg McElroy, along with me as always, Mark Kubiak, Jack Foster, and Jake Garcia. And we have a terrific show in store for you today. Ryan Day, the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, joins Always College Football. It's the first time we've had him on, and we're very, very happy to take some time here in the summer with him. He's got a great roster coming back. Probably as deep as it's been, but we will talk to him a little bit about his quarterback competition. Talk to him a little bit about the offensive line and how that's going to continue to try to play itself out here over the next couple weeks. Let's talk about year two in what was the biggest offseason hire of the 2022 campaign. Jim Knowles, his defensive coordinator, how much further along are they on that side of the football? So we're going to try to continue to effort getting coaches here between now and media days. We know we're all going to hear from our favorite head coaches during media day circuit. Between all the Power Five and Group of Five leagues, we're going to have tons of coaches in front of microphones, but we feel like we can dive a little bit deeper here on Always College Football. Take 15, 20 minutes with your head coaches. Ask the questions that we feel like we need to have answered heading in to the season. So let's not waste any additional time as the head coach at the Ohio State Buckeyes, Ryan Day. Proud to welcome in the head coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Ryan Day. Coach, we've wanted to have you on for so long. We go back a ways. I remember vividly your first game as the head coach. It was against Oregon State. We were on the call, and I remember walking out of that meeting like this dude's a star. Like I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, where his future is going to go. But you, four years ago, five years ago, how long it's been? We knew you were a star, and we knew it was only a matter of time. So to see you have the success that you've had, I can't say any of us are surprised. But congratulations on everything up to this point, man. How you doing? Yeah, I actually saw a picture of um, you know that about five years ago, and then I saw a picture of me most recently, and uh, it's like <laughs> I've, I've done a tour of duty. Uh, it's it's a whole different um, you know uh, look, and uh, there's grays that have that have come through here as much as some people think that uh, that doesn't happen. There's there's grays in here, trust me. And uh, but no, but thanks. Yeah, it's it's um, it's been great the last few years to continue to grow and build. You know, being my first time as a head coach at Ohio State, you know, you get thrown right to the fire. That's the way I wanted it. And uh, and so, you know, excited about the team we have this season. As as you should be, Coach, we're excited as well. It, it's become one of those, I guess, traditions. Like, hey, man, let's look at Ohio State. I remember when CJ made his first start. It was on a Thursday night. I was just – I couldn't wait all day. It just felt like the day took forever just to see what you guys were going to be and then had a good assumption of what you'd be last year but wanted to see the defense, you know, and see how it was going to adjust. So you've tinkered with and, and kind of changed things throughout the course of the last few years. But what do you have up your sleeve this year? Because I feel like some of the secrets that were last year, we don't have as many this year when looking at the version of what you guys might be this season. 
Well, I think the first thing is on defense. You know, coming out of those last couple of games, I know um, everybody on the defensive side of the ball, um, there was there was a lot of progress made there, but the way that it ended, you know, just left a, a sour taste in everybody's mouth. So uh, that's something that, uh, you know, we've looked at hard and, and tried to identify the areas. Certainly, certainly explosive plays were the ones that kind of jumped off the screen. So uh, Jim Knowles will be in his second year. And, and it's significant because we really didn't lose much on that side of the ball. We have a lot coming back, a lot of experience. I've added some new pieces, um, you know, through the transfer portal. We don't do a lot of that, but I think we've added some nice pieces there. Um, so a lot of experience on the defensive side of the ball. And really in year two, uh, year one, you're learning what to do. Year two and three, you're learning how and why. And I think those all um, those matter. So we're going to have to win some games on defense this year. Um, on the offensive side, um, one of the most skilled groups I've been around. When you look at the receiver depth, when you look at the running back depth, when you look at the tight ends, uh, certainly quarterback room, uh, very, very deep across the board. Um, you know, the big focus has been the offensive line, losing Paris and Dewan at tackle and then losing Luke at center. Uh, we've had to replace some guys there. Uh, feel great about our guards, but, um, you know, coming out of the spring, made some good progress there, continue to work hard in the weight room here this summer. But, uh, but August will be important. Um, again, we've added a couple pieces there, some young guys that have done a nice job, and then also some guys in the portal. As a play caller coach, um, obviously the big question, we, we know the receivers are all world. Uh, I've gotten to the point now, we'll ask about the quarterbacks in a minute, but I've gotten to the point now, I trust you. Uh, no matter who you run out there at quarterback, he's going to be dang good. He's going to be dang productive. Running game's been good, but the offensive line, is a bit of a question mark. You referenced it, losing three significant pieces, including the bookend tackles. How do you adjust your play calling to make sure that, I don't want to call it a liability, but maybe an unknown at this point, that unknown early on, how do you adjust your play calling to make sure that that group doesn't necessarily get put on uh, into a situation where they're trying to do too much? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I appreciate what you say about the quarterback position, but that doesn't just happen. You know, there's there's a lot of hard work that, as you know, um, you know, has to happen. And, and so, you know, we need those guys to, to you know, be productive this year, you know, and it doesn't just happen, as you know. So, um, you know, I, I think the first thing you have to do when you think back on that game a couple of years ago is a great example with CJ in the Minnesota game. Um, you have to you have to kind of just be smart about, you know, what you're doing. And it doesn't change your game plan, but it certainly does as a play caller, um, you know, affect what you're calling, how you're calling it. Uh, sure. There's going to be times where we're going to have to play to our defense early on in the season. And that's okay. That's a good thing. You know, I think if, if we want to reach our goals, we're going to have to rely on our defense at times. And, and that's okay. Um, every time we get on the field, we're expected to score a touchdown. That's just the way it's been here for the last six years. And, and it's going to continue to, to, uh, to be the same thing moving forward. But at the same time, as, as you know, we get going early in the season, you know, we know that we're going to have to win on both sides of the ball. So um, and as things go, you know, we'll keep figuring out what this this offense looks like and and, you know, what our strengths are and what we need to make sure we protect. Well, one thing that I've been amazed by in, in calling your games the last couple of years, coach, there's there's only one ball and and there's five guys across the board at wide receiver or at running back that could quite literally take it the distance on any one given play. 
How do you manage? We know receivers in ego position to a certain extent. Like they want the ball, they're always open. You, you played, you get it. I get it. Anyone that's ever yeah. played quarterback or any position for that matter knows that those guys want the ball and they're never been covered ever. But how do you keep everybody happy? Because it feels like the the morale within that receiver room is remarkable, given the talent and the fact that they have to share the distribution. Well, I think when you look at the great teams that we've all been around and, you know, we, we study this in the off season. Uh, the first thing you want is you want a really competitive team, but also it's important to be unselfish, like you're saying. And so a part of that is what we talk about in the off season is that you, you have to be unselfish, but they're also smart. They understand that if there's just one receiver out there, they can easily double him. Mm-hmm. If there's only two receivers, you know, they can double two guys. What they can't do is, you know, double them all. So whether it's first and first and second down in the red zone, situational football, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure all five guys are weapons, you know, certainly in the run game, but then also in the pass game. And when you can do that, you put the ultimate stress on a defense. And I think they all understand that. And we, we meet as an offense at times and talk about just that is that, uh, and they all understand whatever a defense is going to present, they could take something away. If they want to double Marvin every play, they can do that. Well, now that opens up Emeka, Julian, it opens up Cade, it opens up Trey in the, in, in the run game, but also in the pass game as well. And then when you add the element of the quarterback run, um, you know, all of those things can really stress out a defense. So I think for them, they also understand just how they fit into the, to the scheme. But like you said, you look at Emeka and Marvin, they both had, you know, ten, you know of the top 10 receiving uh, seasons, they were in the top 10 this past year, the two of them. So there's plenty of, of um, you know, touches to be had. Yeah, and I mean, look back a couple of years ago, a couple of guys drafted in the top 12. I mean, so it's okay. You could share it. There's, there's plenty of ball to go around. There's plenty of opportunities to make plays. Coach, uh, your quarterback situation is, is a good one. Uh, you have multiple quality players at the position. We unfortunately didn't get a chance to see Devin in the spring game. We know that he was battling a little bit of an injury, but we'll be back to full strength in order to compete this summer and throughout fall camp. Ultimately, when you make the decision on who you're going to go with that spot, what do you think will be the differentiator between the starter and the backup when evaluating the entire process with which they've been competing? I think the the hardest part about this uh, the good the good news is we have we have four guys in our quarterback room that we have not had that so the depth there has been great um, you know here you know recently uh, like you said Devin is now full strength we have Lincoln who just came in this summer we have Tristan who joined us in January and then obviously Kyle has been here now uh, for a few years and you don't know as a quarterback what you're getting because it's so hard to simulate the game. You know, as, as much as we try, you know, guys are not getting hit. You know, they don't, they, you know, the scrambling, you know, for, for, for the D line and the O line, you know, when they, you know, as you know, third down pass rush, you know, it gets to the point where you got to stay, stay off the quarterback. You know, you don't want the, uh, the lineman right in the face of the quarterback. Cause that's where, you know, the quarterback can get injured. So sure. you don't really know all that. So it's like a running back. You can tell pretty much with a wide receiver, or you can tell with uh, a DB, but, it's hard when you're talking about quarterback play. So the first thing that that's you know going to be important, I think this year especially, is to make the routine plays routinely and take care of the football because we have so many weapons that we don't need an extraordinary play. We need consistent play. We need smart play. 
got to take care of the football, play well on third down, uh, execute really well in the red zone, and, and lead the team. You know, I know it sounds cliche, but that's real. Um, and, and you know, there's about five plays a game where you got to make great decisions and be smart. And I might be throwing it away. It might be checking it down. It might be trying to fit it into a window. And uh, as a coach, you can't quite cover all of those scenarios. Part of it is just going to play. And that's kind of, I think, what people talk about when they talk about the it factor. Those are some of the things that people talk about. So uh, there's a lot that comes with it. You know, it's kind of like that pie chart and there's different pieces of, of all the things that come into play. Um, and each quarterback is different. You know, their ability to be able to run and, and create with their feet, their ability to impact the run game with their feet, their ability to throw in the pocket, their ability to get out of the pocket, all those things are going to be considered. And it'll be a fascinating competition to watch that I, I know will will play out throughout the summer and, and fall camp. And whoever takes the reins, we had the same questions about CJ and that clearly those questions were uh, unnecessary. <laughs> and all we had to do is watch about three quarters of football against Minnesota. We knew he had a chance to be a dude and he ultimately was. Uh, talking a little bit about the defense, uh, I do want to talk about recruiting as well. But before we do that, I referenced the progress from year one to year two. And like this is an attacking defense and, and Jim Knowles wants to overload the quarterback and wants to make the quarterback play in an uncomfortable position. And you guys did that time and time again throughout the course of the year. What does year two look like under him? Does it get more complicated? Do the guys play faster? What, what exactly do you envision for that group top to bottom? Well, I think the first part of it is when you're learning a new language, um, you know, you have to process the new language. You have to process the new scheme. Uh, when you're into year two, uh, it's it just like talking like you and I are talking. You, you understand exactly what it is. So there's right. just a better understanding overall. Then you have the whole offseason of understanding how. You know, now our guys know what they just need to learn how, and then again, why are they, why do they fit into the scheme? But I also think for our guys, there's a certain level of experience that they learn from just playing the game. You know, for, you know, put the scheme over here; that's real. But also just the, the learning of being in matchup games. You know, playing against really good quarterbacks, playing against really talented wide receivers, um, playing in games where you know the talent is 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 equated, but. I think when you look at our guys who are coming back, certainly it all starts with the defensive line and, and, and then our linebackers up front, Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, um, JTT, you know, Ty Hamilton, Ty Leak, Mike Hall, Jack Sawyer, Kenyatta Jackson. All these guys are going to have to play veteran and play really well at a high level if we're going to be where we need to be on defense. We think they've had a great offseason. We're really, um, you know, bullish on, on where they've been, you know, in terms of the last – you know, a couple months where they're heading into August. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to play great defense and win on defense, and um, you know, if we're going to reach our goals. And look, maybe you referenced bullish. I, I personal opinion, I just feel like the front seven is just poised. They're coiled, and they just there's so many guys that just been waiting for that opportunity. And and you know, the lights now gone on. They're not going to be thinking as much. I, I couldn't be more excited about what you guys have in the front seven. Maybe am I out in front of my skis a little bit? We want to see this thing play out, or am I kind of on the right track? Well, we'll see. Um, there's certainly the talent's there. Now it's time to go put it on the field. But based on what we saw this spring, um, you know, we're excited as well. We share that same feeling. Um, but we also, you know, it all goes hand in hand. I think we've added some really nice pieces in the back end. Yeah. We have more depth at corner than I can ever remember here. 
Right. You know, now, That's saying you know, something. Den- <laughs> yeah, because, you know, Denzel is back, you know, in his third year. He's had a good offseason. Jordan Hancock has now had a full offseason. He's healthy. We've added Davidson to the mix from Old Miss. We've added Lorenzo Styles. We've added uh, some young guys. Um, you know, we have Jair Brown back. Um, we have Jermaine Matthews and then Calvin Simpson Hunt, who just got here this summer, but yeah. really looks, um, you know, it's exciting to see him on the field. And then, and then, you know, again, same thing with the safeties. Um, you know, we've, we've added some pieces there. Sonny Styles, a year older, uh, you know, Lathan and, and Josh have been back there for a while. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what this defense can do as we head into the first game against Indiana. Uh, coach, as we move into a new era, and I, I know we're focused on 23, but it's impossible to ignore what's coming. Uh, when you look at the new additions that are USC, UCLA, you guys just the last 10, 12, 15, however many days it's been, you just got your schedule. And I think it was an adequate job by the Big Ten and being able to make sure that they protected rivalries while still giving everyone the opportunity to go west and and do experience some different different matchups that, that we've seen in the past. So when, when you look at where the league is going with the addition of USC and UCLA, how do you envision the league changing? Uh, or do you think it's going to be much of the same? I think it, it is it's going to change because of – uh, the change with, with with no divisions, that that yeah. certainly is is a significant change. Uh, also, adding you know the UCLA and USC component to it with the travel and two very good programs. Uh, but when you when you add all those into the mix, it, it's it's exciting to think about what the different possibilities are and the two top teams making the Big Ten championship game in Indy. Uh, so. You know, it doesn't change our goals, doesn't change anything here other than the fact that, um, you know, you want to be playing your best football at the end of the season. You want to, you know, make sure that you're, uh, you know, in the playoffs. But, you know, it's going to it's going to be important to, to get a bye. I mean, that's going to be a major advantage right. for the, for the yeah. teams that get that week off and let the two other teams play. Um, it'll be an advantage for the team that hosts, you know, in that first round for the ones who don't get the bye. So. Interesting, all, all br- brand new landscape here, but um, you know, I'm excited for our players and um, you know, something new for sure, but it's not going to change how we go about our day-to-day. No, I, I know that that won't be the case. You're a process-oriented person, Coach, and we know that you're going to do great things in 23. Before we get you out of here, I just want to talk quickly about your program and the recruiting momentum that you've already created. Last question here, but I've seen guys now from all over the country flock to Ohio State, the results are obviously incredible. Uh, conference championships, you know, playoff appearances. I think you're a play away, a sequence of plays away from winning a national championship last year. So what right now, when you sign up as a recruit at Ohio State, what did those guys have to look forward to? Well, first off, when you come to Ohio State, you have to think big. Ohio State is big. But the possibilities are big. The opportunity is big. And, you know, it's exciting to be part of a program, like you said, that recruits nationally, that has the biggest fan base in, in college football, um, but also you know has a culture that you know guys like being in the, the facility every day. They like coming into the Woody and competing at the highest level. Um, we develop at a high, high level. Certainly, you know we have our team goals, you know, but it's it's okay to have personal goals too, and we celebrate the the development of our players. Certainly, the ones that go on to to go on to the NFL and then not only get drafted at a high level, but also do well once they're there. When you think about the guys who have got rookie of the year recently, 
it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing and it goes to our coaching staff it goes to the structure that's been put in place here uh, by gene smith but more importantly it goes to the hard work of our players and so we want to continue to build on that as we move forward and i think a lot of recruits and families come into columbus and they're surprised by what a great town it is you know over two million people and just uh, bursting at the seams, you know, real estate and just everything is really people coming here. Um, you know, the plans are that probably there's going to be close to 3 million people here now in the next 10 years. So uh, between the city of Columbus, you know, the projection of the program and then our culture here, um, folks are really excited about recruiting and that's why it's going so well. Well, terrific stuff, coach. We can't tell you how much we appreciate the time. We look forward to having you back again this fall and best of luck throughout the summer and, and in fall camp. Much respect, Greg. Thanks so much, man. Summer is just around the corner, and it might be the best one yet, thanks to Summer of Dash Pass from DoorDash. With a Dash Pass membership, you can save big now through July 19th on swimsuits, beach snacks, sunscreen, and more. With Summer of Dash Pass, you'll enjoy $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on all eligible orders, making it easier and more affordable than ever to stock up on your favorite summertime essentials. That's not all. You'll also get access to thousands of offers nationwide, ensuring that this summer is one to remember. So kick back, relax, and let Dash Pass help you experience the best of your neighborhood for less. Experience a summer like no other. Best your best summer with a Dash Pass membership from DoorDash today. Sign up for Dash Pass now and you'll receive your first month free. Plus, when you use our promo code, get 50% off up to $10 in value when you spend $15 or more on your next Dash Pass order. When you download DoorDash app and enter code ACF Summer, that's 50% off when you spend $10 or more on your next Dash Pass order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code ACF Summer, don't forget code ACF Summer for fifty percent off your next order. Subject to change. Terms apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg, letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. As always, we appreciate you guys continuing to send in your questions and allowing us to feature your questions in our mailbag. Alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on our social. Always CFB on both Instagram and on Twitter. While you're there, give us a follow as well. So we continue to appreciate them. And if you sent in questions and we haven't gotten to them yet, I promise you we will. Now, we have only so much time. <laughs> so if we can try to get to three questions today, that's the goal. At some point here in the future, we're going to do a full show just on mailbag questions. But continue to send those in. We see them. We appreciate them. And we will answer them as soon as humanly possible. So Coops, where are we going today? Right. First question comes from Brandon in Washington. Asks, if you had to rank the Power Five conferences as they stand in 2023 based on the quality of teams from top to bottom, how would you rank them? I personally hold the opinion that the Pac-12 has a strong argument to be the third strongest conference behind the SEC and Big Ten. 
I think Pac-12 has as strong a case to be made at the top as anybody. Now, here's where I everyone values the conference dominance in a little bit different fashion. Like I, for one, have always believed the stronger the conference, the more teams there are that could possibly win it. But some people have said, well, if your teams at the top aren't very strong because anyone can beat them or they're six deep in the league that could actually win it, is that really a true sign of strength? I think that the more teams that can win it, the better. So last year, and I'm, I said this openly, I said I think the I think the Big Twelve might be the strongest team, the strongest league, excuse me, top to bottom. Why? Because I felt like they had eight teams that could legitimately win the league, including Kansas State. Uh, incl- the only two that couldn't, in my opinion, in the preseason were Kansas and Iowa State. Kansas was pretty dang dangerous there for a little bit. So I've always felt the deeper the league, the more teams that could potentially win the league, the better the conference is going to be throughout the season. So this year, the Pac-12, we've documented it. I think there's at least six teams, seven teams perhaps, if you want to go just a half step further, that could legitimately win the league. I think SC, Oregon, Washington, those go without saying. Utah has won it a couple times. I really, really feel good about Oregon State and their continued progress as they continue to impose their will at the line of scrimmage, but now you have a quarterback that's regaining his confidence and might here a couple years from now be in a great position to reestablish himself as one of the top dogs in college football. That was DJ Uyunglele. Remember, he was the top can't-miss prospect in America. That was three years ago. Different guy now. But in a run-first style of attack, can the Pac-12 champion potentially be Oregon State, a team that's difficult to match up with and team that's really difficult to compete with on a down-and-up down basis. And I think there's a couple wild cards in there, too. If Arizona gets hot, you never know. Jaden Delora's legit. UCLA. I think UCLA, there's a question mark at quarterback. There's a question mark a few different spots, but I know that offense is really difficult to defend. Maybe Colin Schley, if he is the guy that transferred quarterback, maybe they're going to be better than people realize. I also think you have a difficult time sleeping on Washington State. Cam Ward's a dude. He's a great player. Some transition within the staff. But for the most part, man, that's a dangerous team to deal with. So can they ultimately win the league? I'm not sure. But top to bottom, you can make a case that any one of the aforementioned teams, I didn't even mention Colorado, who is the biggest wild card in college football. I didn't mention Cal. I didn't mention Stanford. I didn't mention Arizona State. But you look at that long list of teams. Tell me without a shadow of a doubt, do you believe that Team 10, whoever that team may be, Let's say it's Colorado this year. Do you believe that Team 10 could potentially give Team 3 a really difficult game? I think it's totally within reason. We've seen Team 1 in Washington a handful of years ago go to Arizona State and lay an egg and ultimately lose the game. Arizona State was barely a 500 football team. Washington's coming off a playoff berth in 2016. So I think the Pac-12 is in a great spot this year. I still think if I had to pick them, in no particular order, or in no, like anyone as far as quality across the board. I think the SEC is number one. I think the Big Ten is number two. I think the Pac-12 is number three. I think it's a little difficult. I think that the, the Big 12 is a little bit tricky this year because I just don't know what the newcomers are going to look like. I, I don't know how Cincinnati, if they're just going to come right in and continue to establish their dominance. Can UCF, with a decent amount of returnees, Coming to be problematic. Houston's got a ton of turnover. Not super confident in them, but you never know. And then finally, 
You look at what's going on with BYU. They've been playing this type of schedule for a very, very long time. So I, I look at the Big 12. I think they're the biggest question mark. And then the ACC, I have questions about Wake Forest. They were good last year. Uh, I have questions about NC State. I think they're going to be okay. I just don't know if they're going to be quite as good as they were last year. Last year, I loved them. This year, I think they're good, teetering on the verge of solid, like really good. North Carolina, I think they could be a touchdown, but we're going to find out, even though their offense should continue to score. I think Miami will be a touch up, but I'm not super confident in that at this point. I think there's a lot of turnover and a lot of unknowns. So you look at the league, we know Clemson's good. We know Florida State's good. The ACC and the Big 12 are kind of 4A, 4B, partly because I'm just not sure what to make of the newcomers in the Big 12 right now. But I love Texas, and I love a few other teams in that league. So I can see propping them up just a hair. But then a long six-minute answer on a mailbag question, it's open to the eye of the beholder. That's really what it is. If Some people want to value depth of league. Some people want to value top-end strength. Uh, I think top-end strength and depth collectively are the best way to evaluate if you can combine that all together. But either way, man, I think it's really close, too, at the top between the SEC and the Big Ten. All right. Interesting, because we're going to transition now to a question from Charlie in Kansas. Do you think that the state of Kansas is pretty much in charge of the Big 12 now that Oklahoma and Texas have left? Kansas and Kansas State have multiple national and conference championships in football and basketball. Okay, multiple how many Big 12 Conference championships do they have in football? One. So multiple is a little bit of a stretch, at least in a handful of years, in the new look Big 12 at least. All right? So Chris Kleiman crew did a great job last year. Lance Leipold and crew doing a great job moving forward. It's a great basketball league. There's no denying that. You look at some of the rumor mill, UConn and Gonzaga, all these teams are on the table for the Big 12 in hoops. But – Hoops doesn't move the needle like college football. So, no, I wouldn't say that Kansas is the hub of the Big 12. I think that Kansas and Kansas State, I think, are in a really good spot from a football standpoint. Obviously, from a basketball standpoint, have been in a good spot, will be in a good spot, probably for the foreseeable future. But if you look at where football is, I mean, TCU – they're not going anywhere. They just added a bunch of people in the portal. I think they've got a chance to be good this year. Are they a playoff team? Probably not, but they're going to be really, really solid. Oklahoma State, I continue to probably overlook them uh, on an annual basis, but they always seem to be hanging around. I, is their best football behind them back in the early 2010s? Perhaps, but it's worth noting that they've been pretty steady under Mike Gundy for as long as he's been there. Uh, you look at some of the other teams that have been added, BYU, Cincinnati, uh, UCF. Those teams have serious upside. And now that they have legitimate dollars going into their pockets, will they only become more competitive with additional financial resources? So uh, Houston, another example of a team that has big-time, big-time pockets, big-time boosters, now will be getting a nice check from the conference that they're playing in. So they might have it be a team that has major upside as well. So uh, I don't think at this point I would put, you know, the banner for the Big 12 in Kansas. I think it's been a great story to watch those two programs. But no, uh, I think this is a well-distributed league where there doesn't appear to be alpha dog programs. Anyone can win it, and I think that makes it extremely exciting. Now let's talk about the play of the week. 
The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, great stuff from Ryan Day there. Really enjoyed being able to visit with him. Terrific perspective. I still can't believe this is full year number five and season opener number six for Ryan Day as the head coach of the Buckeyes. Remember back six years ago, he was the head coach for three games. So I guess you can count it, but not necessarily. Either way, it's flown. I I can't believe how long he's been there and how long he's been the head man there in Columbus. It feels like yesterday when he got the job, he referenced it already. (laughs) It's clear, man, that's a heavy lift at Ohio State. But man, they are so close last year to winning a national championship. And they will be close again, more than likely in 23 with what they have returning and the likelihood of this being arguably his deepest roster that he's had. We look forward to continuing to break down several teams over the next two, three weeks. We're going to have tons of coaches. I already told you. We already got Mike Norvell lined up. We got a few others lined up that we're very excited about. We will tell you more in the days and weeks to come. But we feel like right now, this time of year, is the best time to dive a little bit deeper with some of these coaches because they're getting back from the recruiting trail. They're starting to figure out their own roster, starting to put in some game plans for the upcoming season. So now is the time before media days to talk to some of our favorite coaches in the country. And we are very grateful to Ryan Day for taking some time to visit with us today. I continue to appreciate all the many people that have gone out of their way to leave a review on the Apple podcast, Spotify. If you can leave a rating, if you can leave a review, we've been doing this for a year now and we have so appreciated the support and the following that we've created, but we want to continue to grow. We don't have a marketing department. You guys are our marketing department. So if you can go out and leave a review, leave a rating, that'd be really, really beneficial to both me Mark, Jack, and Jake. So we so appreciate all the support. We look forward to bringing you more college football content here in the days and weeks to come. But for all of us here at Always College Football, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a tremendous day. And remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.